Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 429. Today is October 18th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, there's some real interesting developments going on in the market. We'll talk about that in a minute. I do want to mention that, as many of you know, I had a server crash last week. It took down both of my websites for a couple days. Many of you notified me about that. You were concerned. I appreciate that, and I apologize for any inconvenience that you may have had by not being able to access the blog post articles or archives of the podcast. But everything is now fully operational and back up and running, so go take advantage of it. Hey, as far as the markets, you know, in light of what we're seeing in Israel, the Middle East, and with Hamas, and maybe what's happening with the conflict spreading into Lebanon or with Iran or Hezbollah, I mean, no one really knows what's going to transpire at this point. But I find the markets to be incredibly resilient and durable, much more so than you would expect considering... All the other issues, both geopolitical and economic, that have been weighing on the market for the better part of two years now as we come off of the sugar high from all the stimulus provided during the pandemic. It's fascinating and at the same time a little frustrating, but the bottom line is the market has been incredibly resilient. Last year, the S&P 500 was down right around 20%. Well, right now, it's pretty much sitting in that 50% retracement level, meaning that it's about, you know, down a little more than 10% from its high. So not quite in the middle, but it has made up about half of the losses that were put in from last year. So, you know, that's the argument for the glass being half full. And then, of course, the other shoe of that is that it is down 10% from its previous all-time record high. So, you know, what's to stop it from going lower? Listen, I don't know. I remain 90% in cash. Cash being that money is parked in a money market fund, which is insulated from risks, both in terms of interest rates. Interest rates would go up, but also being insulated from stock market volatility should the market go down. And for the first time in probably like maybe 18 years, we're actually being paid a real rate of return in comparison to where inflation is. So you're not going to get rich sitting in money market funds, but at the same time, you're going to be able to preserve your capital and your wealth to be able to fight another day. And again, that's more than you can say by being in the general market because it's down 10% from its highs. And in terms of bonds, well, we're looking at three years of losses there, and that's in an asset class that's supposedly safe. As to the other 10% of my money, I remain primarily invested in oil companies. And as you heard me say over the last year, if this was any other type of uh, recessionary concern that I have, I would have long been out of oil stocks. But I've stayed in oil stocks because I think that this recession, more than anything, is not only being driven by micro and macroeconomic conditions in the United States, but a lot of it has to do with global instability and shifts that we're seeing in the overall global structure. That's manifesting itself with the Cold War with China, the hot war in Ukraine, and now trouble in the Middle East. Military conflict, especially those that are involving major oil producers, like we see in the Middle East or in Russia, generally result in higher oil prices. And, you know, it's because of that threat of more geopolitical instability that have held on to the oil stocks 
Now, that performance of oil stocks has fluctuated over the past, you know, 12 months or so. But for now, that thesis is holding up and I continue to hold on to those oil stocks. Ha, but I digress. Hey, as far as what I wanted to touch base with you on this week, Jamie Dimon came out with some words of caution. He talked about the events that we're seeing, and I think he was primarily talking about the, the war with, between Israel and Hamas as being some of the most dangerous times that we've seen in decades. He also, and this is really what caught my attention, he specifically said that he's seeing a major shift in the thinking and the optimism of his fellow CEOs. And he wasn't talking just about banking CEOs. He was talking about overall, uh, you know, multinational corporate CEOs and how they have been very optimistic about economic conditions and profitability into 2024. The analysts are talking about 2024 corporate profits being up somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 percent. I personally have been extremely skeptical about that. But now Jamie Dimon has specifically come out and said that that optimism among CEOs is fading for an outperformance in 2024. So I think that's something that we should definitely take note of. Uh, Mr. Diamond is highly respected, not only in financial markets, but really overall as being probably one of the most level-headed and insightful CEOs that we have in America. Now, by the way, I say that as providing you commentary of other people's opinions, the general market's opinion of, of Jamie Diamond. Don't send me hate mail telling me that because I seem to love Jamie Dimon, that I'm controlled by the Illuminati. I, I, listen, I don't trust Jamie Dimon any more than I trust Bill Gates or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell for all they're worth. I'm simply acknowledging the chatter that's taking place in the upper echelons of corporate America, and we're starting to see that the rosy optimistic projections for 2024 are maybe starting to fade. Again, I think it's something worthy of taking note of. And that would especially be the case if things in the Middle East continue to deteriorate and that instability spreads beyond the borders of Israel. The other thing that I think it's worthy of mentioning is, have you noticed how poorly the recent IPOs have performed? Now, the very fact that we have had very minimal IPOs all year long is also a further indication that the real powers that be that control the markets are not very confident in the performance of the market. You know, despite all the talk about artificial intelligence and the strength of the consumer and the resilience of the market and all this growth that we're going to see as we go into the back end of next year and how inflation is tamed and interest rates are going to subside and, you know, all the happy talk we hear in spite of that, you're not seeing the kingpins on Wall Street come out and launch new public offerings. And they do that whenever they think they can earn extortionary profits. Well, of late, we've really only seen three big-name IPOs take place. That's Arm, Instacart, and then just most recently Birkenstock. And I think, interestingly, these three were put out to test the waters to see exactly how strong the market was in terms of launching IPOs in a couple characteristic areas. One is in the area of artificial intelligence and semiconductors. We know that's been a big hyped up trend all year. The other reoccurring theme that we've heard this year is about the strength of the U.S. consumer. So Arm is a semiconductor company, and I think their IPO 
was to ride that wave of artificial intelligence and the take advantage of the strength and the performance that, you know, corollary stocks like NVIDIA have uh, shown in recent months. So ARM was designed to test the waters for further semiconductor and artificial intelligence launches. And then in the case of Instacart, which is a grocery retailer, but in particular an online grocery retailer, so that kind of ties into the whole strength of the consumer along with more automation and, you know, taking the brick and mortar element out of it. And then finally, the old shoe company Birkenstock, I don't know, I think they've been around 150 years or so, but really playing on the end of the consumer and more of the niche and to some degree upper income consumer. So again, these companies testing the market strength and desire to absorb more investors into those areas of artificial intelligence and consumer strength. And if you look at the performance of these IPOs, they've been really the worst that I can ever remember. Arm is down about 18.5% from its initial public offering price and down about 25% from the peak. Instacart is even worse. Instacart is down about 26% from the initial offering price and down a whopping 42% from the peak of that hysteria. Again, this is just really only over the past few weeks. And then in terms of Birkenstock, they've only been out about a week, so they're fairly stable in comparison to the other two, but still, Birkenstock down about 2% from its initial price and about 7% from the peak. Bottom line on this is not only are these performing horribly, but also these are major, major Wall Street initiatives to test the water for the desire to bring money into these markets, which supposedly are the strong points of the market. Automation, semiconductors, artificial intelligence. Well, they're performing horribly. Again, they're really the worst that I can think of. And if we're seeing no strength and no appetite for new investment in the areas of the crown jewels of artificial intelligence and consumer strength, then what does that have to say for the other 90% of the market? I mean, normally what you see with an IPO is they're backed by one or more big Wall Street firms. They do a big hype, a big roadshow. They do a major pump, and then they continue to build that enthusiasm for a period of, you know, a couple quarters, three to six months. They lure more people into it. The very fact that the stocks are moving up and they get a lot of press coverage encourages more people to move in and buy those stocks. And a lot of it is just momentum trading and, you know, fear of missing out. And it ultimately comes down to the theory of there's always going to be a bigger fool to buy the stock. Well, eventually, like all extremes in the market, the price gets exhausted and there are no bigger fools to come in and buy at a higher price. And the price collapse with IPOs that generally happens after about six months. A lot of that has to do with the fact that early insiders are precluded from selling for the first six months. So once that lockup period goes away, the insiders start to sell and dump their stocks. Just like the rats jumping off a sinking ship, they're trying to go overboard before things get worse. Well, again, it's interesting what you would normally see take place over six months. In the case of these stocks, we're seeing take place, you know, just over six weeks. Well, hey, how is this story going to end? I have no idea, but as I continually keep stating, I am sitting in money market funds. I'm going to bide my time, 
And I'm going to wait until we get a couple more chapters into this horror story before I decide to make any moves. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns. <laughs>